you would look with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts to chapter 3. The book of Acts and in chapter 3 we're going to have rather a lengthy reading today. We'll read from chapter 3 and verse 1 on through part of chapter 4. As we read, I'll mention our, the title of our message, The Name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You might notice that as we do read. Book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. As the lame man which, had, which was healed hailed Peter and John, all the people ran to gather unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and kill the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I would that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed, 
by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive under the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed, shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day, if, if we this day be examined of the good deed done unto the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. 
neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm going to end the reading there. And I've, I've read all of this in order that we might see and know the full account of the miracle that is performed here by Peter and John. You look back to verse 1, you have Peter and John. You'll remember that Peter, James, and John were the three disciples that Jesus seemed to want the closest to him. Uh, Peter, James, and John have been named as the inner circle of the disciples. They were the ones that were with him uh, particularly on many different uh, occasions. I won't turn to these places, but in Luke 22 and in verse 8, we are told that it was Peter and John, for whatever reason, that Jesus sent to prepare the Passover in the upper room. You'll also remember in John chapter 20 that it was Peter and John receiving the news that the tomb was empty. They both ran together to the empty sepulcher and we are told in Scripture that as they ran together, that John was the one that did outrun Peter to the sepulcher. In our text, in Acts 3 and in verse 4, Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, once again we have Peter and John together. If you look over to chapter 8 of the book of Acts, Notice, if you would, in verse 14, I'll just read this one verse. In Acts chapter 8 and in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. To us, Peter and John, might seem like a strange combination to work together in the service of the Lord. But as I mentioned to you recently, and I'm sure you all already knew, that God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are, are not our thoughts. By the grace of God, and I'll also say through the power of God, Peter and John were a perfect combination to work together, even though their personalities were so different. I mean, you could not find two of the disciples, I don't think, with more different personalities than Peter and John. But the Lord put them together, and even today you can find the same uh, thing being true, God puts together unlikely combinations to work for His honor and for His glory. I know you notice, but I'm going to mention it again. In Acts chapter 4 and in verse, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The boldness of Peter and John. And in the message that Peter did bring here, and it was actually 
John with consent to all of this, there is much boldness that is stated in, in the verses that we have read. For Peter accuses the Jews, the rulers of the Jews, to be the murderers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He accused them of, of murder. But here in Acts 4 and in verse 13 again, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What a testimony, even from the enemies of Christ. They could see and perceive the boldness of these two men they could perceive that they were uneducated men. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They had not been to the school that others might have been to, but they marveled. And they could not help but take notice that these men had been with Jesus. Something extraordinary was there. As we look at this text in chapter 3 uh, once again, I want to read verse 1 through verse 9 of chapter 3. And my subject is, is not so much the miracles that took place, and there is more than one miracle that did take place here, but the miracle is not so much my message this morning, but as I mentioned earlier, it's the name which is used here in performing the miracle. Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read through verse 9 once again. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing, me, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I'm just going to mention this and not deal with it. I mentioned that there were more miracles here than just one. There's more miracles in this than just this man being healed. 
If you notice in chapter 4 and in verse 22, this man was above 40 years old when the miracle happened. And we are told in chapter 3 and in verse 2, this man was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked. He had never walked. Now, I say there's more than one miracle here. Even if this man had received strength, he still never had learned to walk. I mean, people have to learn to walk. It does not come natural. He received strength, and we're told in, in verse, verse 8 and verse 9 that he leaping up stood, walked. We're told in the same verse he was walking and leaping. That's a miracle in itself. Someone that had never walked before, all of a sudden he's over 40 years old and nobody had to teach him how to walk. As we look at this again, I want our attention upon what's mentioned in verse 6. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. His name is mentioned in verse 16. His name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know, Yea, the faith is which, which is by him, notice the next words, hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. If you look over to chapter 4 and in verse 10, be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It was by and through this name used by Peter and John that this man was made perfectly whole. As I mentioned in chapter 3 and in verse 16, perfect soundness. Chapter 4 and in verse 10, he is whole. There was power then, and I'll also say there is power now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is power in that name. I'm going to break this down the words, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. First of all, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You remember, and I'm going to read it in Matthew and in chapter 1. Matthew and in chapter 1, we're told in verse 18 that the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man 
and not willing to make her a, pub, a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You'll notice the naming of the son was the, that responsibility and duty was given unto Joseph. The angel told Joseph, thou shalt call his name. You'll be the one to name this child. But here is what you must name that child. The name was not left up to the discretion of Joseph, but rather the name came from heaven itself. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. The name Jesus. Jehovah who saves or Jehovah is salvation. The name Jesus is equivalent to the name Joshua in the Old Testament. And even as Joshua led the Hebrews into the land of Canaan, even so our Joshua Jesus shall lead his people unto glory. He shall save his people from their sins. One of the interesting accounts to me is uh, Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. The enemy of Christ, the enemy of his churches, the enemy of his people. All of a sudden, he was confronted on the Damascus Road. He was stricken down in many different ways. But he asked, who art thou to the one that did appear unto him? Who are you? Is what Saul of Tarsus was asking. And the response that came back, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. And what is in those words is, is an amazing thing. I am Jesus. Hold your place in the book of Acts if you're still there. I'm going to Philippians in chapter 2. In Philippians and in chapter 2, as we consider this name of Jesus, Philippians and in chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 8 through verse 11. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, and that's a major wherefore there. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, you know, you just stop and consider there, we could spend a lot of time just meditating upon this. 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things that are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Throughout the scriptures, both in Old Testament and the New, there are, are many different names and titles for the one who was made flesh and did dwell among us. But the most precious name of all to the saints of God is the name of Jesus. There's just not a more precious name than that. For a true believer, that there's just comfort in the name of Jesus. When you hear the name, you think upon the name, there, there is truly comfort in the name of Jesus. Consider him and consider that the one who is Jesus, who shall save his people from their sins, is the very one who has all power in heaven and earth. We have a great Savior, Jesus. Again, I don't understand the phrase, I cannot comprehend all power, and I would say all might, all strength, all authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. To Jesus. He is the one we can go back and read and you know the verses in John chapter 1. He is the creator of all things. There is nothing that was made which was not made by Him. And more than that, He's not just the creator, He is the sustainer of all things. In Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 17, by Him all things consist. And every time I think about that verse in Colossians or read it, my mind goes to the word consist. And it has to do with a consistency. You ladies, I've mentioned this I know before, when you're mixing up a cake batter or whatever kind of batter it may be, you want the consistency to be right, where things will stick together correctly. Well, it's the same with Jesus. By Him, all things stick together. By Him, all things are as they are. And they remain so. They remain so. By Him, everything consists. And the very same power which created all the worlds and sustains all the worlds is still found today in that name of Jesus. I would not dare to ever call upon God in heaven without invoking the name of Jesus. Without Him and the power and all that's involved in that name, I have no right to the Father. I have no access to the Father. And again, I would not utter one prayer without the name of Jesus, without the name of, of 
Jesus. But back in Acts chapter 3, I'm going to go a little bit further. In verse 6, it was not only by the name of Jesus that this man was, was made whole. Excuse <coughs> me. It was by the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You see it in chapter 3 and in verse 6, chapter 4 and in verse 10. And I want to focus upon that Christ. Christ. Go back with me to the book of John, if you would, to chapter 1. John and in chapter 1. Now I'm going to read verse 40 and verse 41. It might do you good later at your own time to read the context here and all that's involved. But in John chapter 40 and in rather chapter 1 and in verse 40, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. The Christ. While you're in John, look in chapter 4. In chapter 4, you have the well-known account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And in chapter 4 of John and in verse 25, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah must come. Samaritan woman said, I know that. Now know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. If you look over at verse 29, Then she said, Come, see a man, which hath told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Notice this woman's words very carefully, if you would, in verse 29. She asked, is not this the Christ? The Christ? Much of the teaching and preaching of the apostles of Jesus Christ was just simply proclaiming just what this Samaritan woman said. That Jesus is the Christ. And that definite article, the, is very important. He is the Christ. We have no need to look for another. He is the Christ. He is the one and only Christ. In the book of Acts again, this time to chapter 9, in Acts in chapter 9, and this I'm going to read in verse, in verse 20. This is immediately following uh, Saul of Tarsus, Paul's encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. Acts chapter 9 and in verse 20. And straightway 
he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. What a message. What a message. He preached Christ. And he informed them that the Christ, the Messiah, is the Son of God. I don't think any of us really recognize the impact of this statement. The Messiah, the Christ, is not just an earthly man. He's the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Then if you look in in verse 21 and in verse 22. But all that heard him were amazed. And said is not this he that destroyeth them. Which called on his name in Jerusalem. And came hither for that intent. That he might bring them bound under the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength. And confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. The very Christ. Christ, the very Son of God. Go on over in the book of Acts, if you would, to Acts in chapter 17. In Acts in chapter 17, in, beginning in verse 1, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three days Sabbath reasoned with them out of the Scripture, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Again, there's much there that he told them. One of the great stumbling blocks of the Jews was that it was preached unto them that the one who is the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer. They could never understand that. They could never understand that. But you'll notice in verse 3, Paul brings that up. He said it was a necessity that Christ suffer. And then he told them that this Jesus, this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. If you look in chapter 18 and in verse 5, Acts chapter 18 and in verse 5, and when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Again, this is a major theme throughout the book of Acts, that Jesus is Christ. While you're in Acts chapter 18, notice if you would in verse 28, and this is Apollos, in Acts chapter 18 and verse 28, and he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. That Jesus was Christ. 
I'm going to go back to John in chapter 11. John and in chapter 11. I just want you to notice here the words of, of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. In John 11 and in verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She had a strong faith and great knowledge of who this is. While you're in John, back up to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus had preached some very strong doctrine. And the results was that many of his disciples turned back and walked no more with him. Notice that in John 6 and in verse 66, where it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Now notice this. We believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. That Christ. The Son of the living God. What a testimony. Thou art that Christ. Matthew chapter 16. You remember Jesus asked the disciples on this occasion, I'm, I'm noticing verse 13 through verse 16. Whom do men say that I am? And they gave various different answers unto that. But then in verse 15, he makes it very pointedly and particular for them whom do you say that I am? Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In John 20, John 20, and I'm going to read verse 30, verse 31. Just to mention that belief, faith, knowing that Jesus is the Christ is essential to salvation. It is essential to salvation. John chapter 20 and in verse, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Now I'm going to go from there to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John and then chapter 5, and I'll read verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In the same book, if you'll back up to chapter 2, notice verse 22. 1 John 2 and in verse 22, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? The word Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, the sent one, Jesus Christ. Back in the book of Acts, chapter 10. Acts and then chapter 10. I'm trying to just find a good place to start, and I can't find one any better. Verse 34. Acts 10, verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Notice this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Christ, the Messiah, is God's anointed one. I'll go from there to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews and in chapter 1, Hebrews and in chapter 1, I'll read verse 8 and in verse 9. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with all of gladness above thy fellows. The name of Jesus Christ. The wonderful name of Jesus. Hey, let's go back to our text in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3 again in verse 6. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Again stated in Acts 4 and in verse 10. I, I could not help in just reading this Think of all the names that Peter could have used. When he was there with this man who was lame from his mother's womb, and instead of saying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he could have said Jesus the Lord of glory. In the name of Jesus the Son of God, and many others he could have used. But the Holy Spirit of God had Peter to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in doing so, Peter connects the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ together. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as we read over and over. But he's of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus Christ of that great city of Rome. He didn't say Jesus Christ of the religious center of Jerusalem. But he said Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Not that Jesus was born there, but that's where he was reared. That's where he was, was brought up. You remember it was commonly thought nothing good can come out of Nazareth. It was a, a place, a town that was just not well thought of and not anything good could ever come out of there. Those that knew him as he was growing up said this is just the carpenter's son. Just the carpenter's son. In our text, the name is given to him. And again, there is such power in this name, such authority. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, one of us, one of us, sent from God, the eternal Son of God came down from heaven and was found in fashion as a man and walked upon this earth among men. He took upon himself our nature. He is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But in our text in Acts chapter 3, by this name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man was made whole. You'll notice in verse 16 of Acts chapter 3, his name, but that's not all, through faith in his name, who had the faith? Well, I believe Peter and John did, or they would never have invoked this name. I believe the lame man had faith, or he would never have been made whole. He would never have been among those in the temple praising God. His name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. The faith which is by him. By whom? 
by Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This was no faith that originated in this man. The faith did not originate in Peter and John. The faith involved here is the faith which is by him. That has what has given this man perfect soundness, as it says here. In chapter 4, again in the last words of verse 9, this man is made perfectly whole. Jesus Christ of Nazareth does not halfway do things. He is perfectly made whole. Before I close, I need to mention this. On this great occasion, and again many things were, were taking place, but I want you to notice that Peter used this occasion to preach repentance. To preach repentance. Verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. He's talking to the leader, religious leaders of Jerusalem. He had already condemned them and they're, they're putting the prince of, of life to death. Verse 15, he said, You kill the prince of life. And Peter used this occasion to preach repentance. What a important doctrine this is. Then I'll close with verse 12. The name, chapter 4 and in verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's stand and have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Our Father, again, we are thankful for another time and occasion to look into your word and see our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that this account and these scriptures are preserved for us. Help us to always acknowledge him in all things. May we always be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And in his name I pray, amen.